Hello. Today I have a very special guest on the Skinny Fat Transformation podcast. His name is Mikhail Söding and he is Europe's best hedge fund manager for the past 10 years. He was actually awarded the prize European hedge fund manager of the decade and currently he is the only person in the entire world who has this award. So Mikhail is extremely successful and he retired at age 42 as a decamillionaire in US dollars and since then he has been blogging about life advice and artificial intelligence and all kind of kind of stuff that he's interested in and even though he's retired he's still working on whatever he's passionate about at the time and in this podcast he shares his advice on life like for example Mikael owned a bunch of sports cars and he will tell you if it's worth it to to buy a sports car and when you should buy a sports car and also he shares his advice on women and money and how they correlate and he also discusses bodybuilding because he bench presses around 310 pounds and uh, he's in extremely good shape for his age and looks much younger than his age so Mikael is full of wisdom and he shares pretty much all his wisdom in this podcast so let's get started hey Mikael hi how did you get into finance uh, purely by coincidence um, I, I hardly knew what what finance was uh, at all when I was a teenager and uh, in secondary school uh, all I knew was that uh, you you were supposed to study natural sciences because that was both interesting and hard and um, uh, studying uh, economics was only for lazy people uh, however uh, when when secondary school was drawing to close one of my former bullies um, said that with your grades you should try to, to get into Stockholm School of Economics and I had no idea what that was but I was really tired of school so I thought what the hell I could just as well read economics for a while and, and, and then see what's what I can do for for um, for serious uh, studies. So basically you started with finance because of a bully yeah uh, and then you got into Stockholm School of Economics and uh, how did you do in the school like how did you like it socially and how were your grades there? Um, the way I remember it, I, I hardly made any friends at all. Uh, I was kind of the um, kind of an oddball. Um, I uh, didn't take school seriously at all, at least not the first semester. Uh, so I, I dressed funny, um, like a like a slob, because I thought that everybody there would be like snobs, and, and I wanted to be the opposite and, and show that I didn't take it seriously. Um, but after after the first semester, I realized I, I'm, I was kind of getting good grades anyway. Uh, so I, I completely changed tack. Uh, and I also saw that people weren't really snobby, um, not the way that I had imagined it. So I tried to kind of up the ante and, and uh, go full retard the other, the other way. So I, I bought a couple of suits and, and started wearing a suit and tie uh, every day instead. So I kind of... So you went to school with a student side? Yeah. And then how did that work for you? Um, I, I think people thought that I was just as strange as when I was wearing my, my other like hippie clothes. <laughs> that is quite funny. I, I know a lot of people, people in my school, they wear suits, but that's because they have like student jobs after. But then, uh, so you went to Stockholm School of Economics and you got good grades. And then you got into finance like as a career, right? Um, yeah, uh, I even though I, I majored in finance, um, which I did because I read American Psycho. Um, oh, I've seen that movie. Yeah, uh, the book is of course much better, uh, and and some people say that 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 movie really sucks. But if you've read the book and then watched the movie, uh, then I think it's it's genius, and. Uh, uh, it's, it's been a while since it came out, but now several of the actors have, have gotten Oscars. Oh yes, uh, I've seen the movie and it's actually one of my favorites because uh, I, I like how it's very difficult to understand like the plot. You have to see it a few times to completely understand it. But speaking about your career, um, you did finance and that seems like it was something you were naturally good at. Like you got high grades without putting in a lot of effort, right? Is that right? Um, um, yeah, well, some grades. Um, I think that uh, being good at programming and, and maths uh, 
when when I when I started at, at Stockholm School of Economics, uh, really helped. That that made a lot of of uh, uh, subjects easy, like statistics and uh, derivatives, uh, math, uh, uh, of course, in in, in itself. Um, and economics and so on and so on. So, so a lot of a uh, lot of the the subjects are mathematics based, and um, some of the other students they, they had to learn the math uh, as we went along. Uh, whereas I already had all the knowledge I, I needed, uh, so that made the, the little add-ons uh, in, in terms of uh, economic thinking uh, very easy for me. Okay, that that makes sense. Do you believe that when people start their career, they should do something they're naturally good at or something they love doing? I think you should go with what you love doing. And uh, why is that? Um, even though my career was quite success successful, um, I, I still regret it a little bit. Um, and if I had had the same career without being successful, which is the most likely path, uh, then I would have hated it because it's, it's soul-sucking and meaningless and you don't really learn anything. Um, whereas if you do something you love, whether you're successful or not, you, you, you're, still, you're still doing something you love. That's a very good point. And about doing something you, you don't like, you, you work like 16 hour days, right, in finance? Yeah. And you say it's a meaningless job. Can you expand on that? Because we have a lot of finance in my school and I was convinced that it's like a very useful skill, but you say it's meaningless. Um, it's um, well, it's a combination of both. Um, I think it's meaningless because I don't think that I uh, I develop as a person, and I don't think that my my brain gets the exercise it needs. Uh, maybe in the beginning, because then a lot of stuff was new, and and, and that's good. Uh, but. Um, um, uh, and and, and uh, as I said, it, it is useful um, because you can take care of your own pensions and, and uh, perhaps your, your relatives' pensions as well, and, and you can take care of your your everyday uh, um, economy, your your finances, of course, and and if you're lucky, you might as well make a lot of money in the career itself. Um, but um, after a few years, you get into a kind of a, a rut where you do the same things over and over. You just watch the stock exchange, you try to guess what the central banks are going to do. Um, and if you manage a portfolio, you can, you can get stuck just watching a, a couple of graphs day out and day in and without really doing anything useful. And, and even if you don't, if you're actually researching and, and, uh, and trying to analyze companies, you're, you're still doing more or less the same thing every quarter, just collecting the same data points for your same data series, which all are more or less useless for predicting the future anyway. Um, so so the, whole, the whole activity doesn't really lead anywhere and, and you're doing the same things over and over. That's a very, very good point. And let's say you are a young guy and you love playing games and going out drinking. Then what do you do about that? Should you, should you spend most of your time on leisure then and just work for the minimum? Or do you think you need to do something more fulfilling like, you know, studying and so on? It is, it is a hard question. Some would say it's easy because they would say, no, you're not supposed to play games and, and, and drink beer. Um, but I think it is a hard question. Uh, I can't, I can't really think of, of any, any hard arguments for, for why you shouldn't do that if you really love it. But I think the, um, um, the fact of the matter is that probably they don't love it. Um, and and um, I think maybe the important thing here is to, to um, uh, really mindfully uh, analyze yourself and, and see if, if, if you really love that activity or if, if there is something else that you like about it, if, if it's only uh, a question of temporary overstimulation for, for, as a cure for, for boredom uh, or if, if you actually love it. Um, Do you have any good tips for how to analyze it mindfully? 
Um, not not uh, from the top of my head. Um, um, the way I've gone about my life, uh, even if it took a long time, is that I've I've tried to pay attention any time I, I I feel happy, really happy, and and uh, and see just what led up to that moment, uh, and also um, whenever I whenever I've do, whenever I'm doing anything, whether it's um, where it makes me happy or, or sad or, or bored, uh, I. I try to make a mental note of what exactly am I doing and, and what led up to that moment and uh, what's what's the path to boredom, what's the path to happiness, and what's the path to to just lust or something like that. Um, so it's a it's a question of actually spending your days uh, looking at yourself. Uh, so you you follow like a diary to to kind of you know know what is good for you and what makes you happy. Yeah, but not a physical one. Uh, so it's it's just in my head. Uh, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. So you became successful in finance, and what skills do you think are needed for people to like develop before they go into their career? Like, what should they work on while studying uh, to kind of be you know successful in their career? Um, the 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 obvious hard skills are mathematics and statistics. Um, what's probably more important are, are a lot of soft skills, which are, are difficult to, to uh, put down on paper. Um, but you need you need people skills, uh, in particular in the beginning, to get along with your bosses, with clients, because you will be at the lowest part of the ladder, and, and you will basically be a servant boy. Um, so you will need people skills to to just uh, keep the job and, and uh, start climbing upward. Um, and um, even even after you've you've, um, you've gone from some kind of a junior to into more senior position, uh, you'll still have clients and, and, and bosses probably. Uh, and even after that, when you don't have any bosses anymore and, and probably and maybe run your own business, uh, perhaps as a portfolio manager, um, you'll still need to either sell the fund yourself or or have people doing it for you and you'll have to, have to manage them as well. So, so people skills in, in any shape or form uh, are, are very important. Uh, and apart from that, uh, I'd say that the, the, the higher up you go in, in, in finance, uh, the more broad your skill set needs to be. That kind of happens automatically, usually, uh, just, just uh, through work. Uh, but I guess some people might miss out on that and 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 not expand their their, uh, their field of knowledge. Uh, so so I suggest reading a lot of different types of books, listening to uh, a diverse set of, of podcasts and and, and reading uh, many different kinds of, of blogs and, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and you have a blog called Mikael Suding, right? Yeah, I'm gonna link to that. So I would like to talk a bit more about people skills because you said that when you started Stockholm School of Economics, you were kind of like the oddball, but, but now you have good people skills. So what did you do to develop them? Um, I got successful. So I, I, I really don't have any, I don't, I don't think I, I, I have good people skills. Uh, like there today? Yeah. Okay. So it's always been one of your weak points and you've, you've made up for that by being really good at what you do. Um, yeah, I guess it, it wasn't uh, a strategic decision, um, but uh, once I, I, I got to a certain point in my career, and, and not least after quitting and, and, and starting blogging, um, it seems as if I, I j just the, the fact that I had, had done something real and, and gotten awarded for it, uh, I think drew certain people in and, and, and realized that uh, this guy is probably good at something, even if he's a little bit difficult to talk to. Uh, so let's, let's um, just tag him and, 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 and see what happens. So, so do you believe if someone has bad people skills naturally, that they should just focus on being really good at what they do to make up for that? Or should they also work a lot on the people skills? I think it's more valuable to work on the people skills. I, I think one of the biggest mistakes in my career 
was that I, for one, didn't really realize that numbers wasn't all there was. Um, no matter how good our, our hedge fund was, uh, we still didn't get any clients, uh, uh, at least not in, in the volumes we, we had hoped for in, in the first 10 years. And it was only after we, we won the hedge fund of the decade award that some serious money started pouring in. Um, and, and still not at all in, in the amounts that you usually see in international uh, hedge fund business. Well, how did you win the award if you didn't have a lot of clients? Um, well, we had enough to, to uh, be included in the, in the large hedge funds uh, section. So we had uh, about a billion, uh, not really, not, not for the entire period, but between 500 and, and 1000 million euros. Uh, so that's enough to be, be called a, a large hedge fund. Uh, but still, the, the, the largest ones, they have between 10 and 100 billion. Well, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Can't even imagine that, like, what would I spend all the money on? But uh, speaking about your life, when uh, you retired now, right? And how old are you? 43. 43. Okay, and what age did you retire? Um, I, I said the words to, uh, to my colleagues when I was 41. Uh, but then I stayed on uh, for more or less uh, a full year uh, as the managing director just to make things, uh, well, the transition smooth for the company. So uh, after you retire, how does your day look like? Because you said that you want to maximize happiness now, right? Yes. After you retire. Yes. So how does that look for you? Is that just going out drinking and working out and having fun? Or is it also like doing other stuff? Um, it's mostly doing other stuff. Uh, I adopted a dog that takes quite a lot of time. Uh, I'd put it at at least four hours a day. And uh, so that, that's almost half a, a full employment for, for normal people. And um, I do work out um, every second day. How much do you bench press? Um, I've, I've taken 140 kilos. That's about 310 pounds. So you bench press like 1.5 times your body weight, right? Um, yeah. It's very impressive. And then what else do you do? Um, so um, that's the dog and the working out. And, and uh, then I uh, keep updating my blog. Uh, it wasn't really supposed to be uh, a big blog or, or anything else than, than kind of a notebook for myself or an online diary. But with uh, a little help of, of people around me, uh, it has been turned into something a little more interesting for, uh, for other people than the closest family. And I can say it's a very good blog because I read it myself too. And I really like your articles on robotics that we can talk about a bit later. And I would like to ask you, do you think that blogging is a very fulfilling thing to do? Yes, I think. And why is that? Um, when I try to, um, to look to the essence of, of what I'm doing and, and, and what I really like to do, uh, I, I tend to come to the conclusion that uh, a human is as at, its, at his core uh, a pattern recognizer. And what that means is that we take information as inputs, recognize as patterns, and then uh, do some kind of output of, of other data and information and, and patterns uh, that can be uh, managed by, by somebody else. Um, and um, uh, what, I, what I find the most fulfilling of, of all is simply uh, acquiring information and then uh, uh, pushing it forward uh, simply teaching other people. So what I really like is learning and teaching. And that's what I do all day. I, I listen to scientific podcasts. I analyze my own training. Uh, I, I try to understand the dog. Uh, I read blogs, I read books, and, and then I take all this information and, and try to synthesize it, synthesize it and, and, uh, and teach others uh, and, and hopefully make the world a better place that way. And uh, I guess you have a lot of readers now, right? And positive comments. Um, yeah, the, the comment field is, uh, is surprisingly alive. And um, um, la at last count, uh, I had 43,000 page views uh, uh, over a month. Well, that's very good because you didn't start, you know, um, that long ago. How long time have you been blogging? Um, since uh, for January 1st uh, in, in this uh, format. Yes. And uh, let's say somebody likes finance, they actually like working with numbers. 
would you then recommend them to get into finance or should they do another type of career? Um, I think as long as they are prepared to not be successful, they should definitely get in, into finance uh, in case they they like the economy, they like analyzing companies, they like understanding business models, uh, if they like math, statistics, and um, uh, talking to people, talking to smart business leaders, etc. Uh, if you like all that and, and genuinely, genuinely find it fascinating, fascinating uh, please do. Uh, but you shouldn't expect to become rich. Um, sure, uh, a, a lot of people do, or at least have done so far. Uh, but I think we are, uh, at least for the coming five years, uh, are going to see a, a quite severe both recession and an even more severe uh, uh, stock market downturn, uh, which not is not only about lower prices, but um, even more importantly about lower volumes. So there will be a lot less money to go around in, in the finance business. Um, and a, a lot of people will get fired over the coming five years. So uh, with that said, what kind of career paths do you think are very good for people who are young and who wanna have a stable job, you know, but at the same time have the time to study on the side and, and exercise and have a fulfilling life? Um, I I, um, uh, I like the idea of, of uh, either trying to solve a couple of the, the big problems in the world, like uh, pollution, fresh water, food, um, hunger, uh, well, that's food, uh, and, and um, sickness and death. Um, those are maybe the four or five big important things to solve. Maybe you could tack on uh, an, an additional one like how to get off the planet because uh, we'll need that sooner or later so how long time do you think uh, no that, that that could be a very long time before we need to get off the planets um, i mean it could be a million years or more um, so but it still needs solving um, and i definitely think we will solve it long before that probably within our lifetimes so a young person now should really get into that and, and uh, make a difference for for the race. Um, and if you don't go directly into solving these five big human issues, you can instead go into like the four or five enabling technologies for this, which all should be very interesting um, and, and open for any type of creative and ambitious, ambitious mind. Um, so I'm, I'm talking about nanotechnology, artificial intelligence, robotics, genetics, probably one more that I, that I can't think of right now. When you speak about these technologies, I have to say I got a little bit scared because uh, I'm starting to think that in the future we will have like computers inside our heads. So basically now we have a smartphone in our hand we can uh, touch, but in the future there will actually be like a chip inside our brain and people will be like cyborgs pretty much you know walking around with a computer inside the brain and you know there are hackers and you can hack every kind of computer so if somebody is hacking in the future they will be able to hack people are you scared of that kind of stuff um yes it, it is a problem there is definitely an issue there uh, and um, there have been a couple of, of um, movies about that um, one with bruce willis a couple of years ago um, um, two actually, I think. Uh, anyway, um, we, we do have that issue already, but only regarding finances and, and maybe physical safety. I mean, you could easily hack a car and crash it if you wanted to, but it never happens, at least not that you read about. Um, so it seems people maybe don't want to hack hack people's things in, unless they can get some kind of a financial advantage. So why would you want to, to hack somebody's brain? Uh, would it would it be to make them transfer money to you or, or, or kill you? Uh, and if it's for money transfer, I'm, I'm sure there will be countermeasures that says it's impossible to, to transfer money 
based on an outside signal or something like that. I Maybe mean, like a fingerprint is needed, something like that. Yeah, he says, sure. I'm sure there will be, uh, in parallel with, with this cyber gification, um, uh, good enough safety measures will, will, will tag along in parallel. How about genetics? Uh, I listened to Tim Ferriss' podcast and he said that when you do genetic testing, you should never give out your full name and stuff, you should use a fake name because in the future when, when they can clone people, um, if they have your data available, they can basically clone you. And uh, doesn't that sound scary? Um, the question is, what would they do with the clone? I mean, go ahead. Uh, it's, it's fine with me. Or perhaps you're thinking about, well, then they have my fingerprint walking around. Oh, yeah. Maybe, but I'm not sure if, if my clone actually would have my fingerprints. It, it's, not, it's not perfectly clear uh, how that works. But um, uh, if somebody made a, a small micro seeding somewhere and, and it started growing up in parallel with me, but I guess it would be four to three years younger than me. Uh, that's, that's not a problem and I'm not sure what they would use it for. That's a good point. And I would like to switch topic now to fitness because you look very healthy for your age. If I had to guess your age, I would say maybe 35 because you definitely don't look like you're in your 40s. So what do you do to keep up such a healthy appearance? Um, thank you, first. Um, I think, I think it maybe a couple of things might have contributed. Uh, and it's mostly about my diet. Uh, for one, I, uh, I do intermittent fasting. And I've, but I've only been doing that for like two and a half years. Is it a Martin Birkins? Uh, yes. Uh, so it's the 16-8? Yes. Um, but, but since that's only been going on since, since I've turned 40 more or less, uh, that can't be it. Uh, but for the last almost 10 years, I've, um, uh, I've been taking a, a couple, a couple of supplements, uh, of which I think, um, uh, omega-3 oil is, is the most important one. Um, so maybe that froze my age at 35 if, if I, I take, um, How much do you take for day? Uh, I take a, a tablespoon a day, uh, so I, I drink oil. Uh, it's a specific oil, um, omega-3 oil, that's also uh, mixed with a little bit of um, uh, extra virgin olive oil, which um, stops the oxidation, uh, oxidization process and, and makes sure that the omega-3 molecules actually get where they're supposed to get in, inside the body without uh, being destroyed either before or, or inside the body. What is the name of that oil? Um, it's um, Arctic Med is, is the company. That okay, it. we can put a link to that in the description. I'm going to get some definitely. And besides the oil, or actually the oil, do you take, you drink it, right? And yes. I take capsules right now. Is there a difference between taking capsules and drinking the oil? Um, I, I think most of the capsules out there, even if I don't know all of them, uh, have a much lower doses doses, dosage, uh, than, uh, than the oil in, in terms of the, the important, uh, fats. Uh, so definitely check that first, because I know that some, uh, some capsules you're supposed to take like 30 a day to, to get my dosage. Uh, 30. Okay. Yeah. I take about two or three capsules a day, but it depends on what, what kind of brand you have. So, so I, I can't really say anything about, about your brand. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I'm still probably much lower than your dosage. So I'm going to look into that. Do you have any other health tips to, to stay young? Um, yeah, um, I, um, I don't think this has affected my appearance in, in any way. Um, but um, I do do mobility exercises uh, regularly. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that you should try to do like a fandam epic split every day or something like that, even, even though I... I did do that when I was like 18 till 28, but then, then I, then I quit. Um, cause, uh, but now in, as, as a grown up, I've re realized that the most important thing that you can, can mobilize or, or stretch is your uh, psoas, um, the tendon that, that attaches your, your thigh muscle to, um, uh, to your belly more or less in, in the front. Uh, so, so you really want to stretch your, your psoas regularly, uh, and also sit in a, in a very deep squat position. Um, and I'm still not talking about 
like doing this five minutes a day or anything like that. If you're in your twenties, you probably could skip it altogether, but it could be a good habit to, to start doing some of these, uh, even in your twenties. I actually started doing a lot of yoga and mobility exercises because I've always been tight in the psoas that you talk about. Mm -hmm. So it affected my back posture and my, my neck too. And I'm still working on all that. And I realized after doing yoga and stretching that I actually feel better that when my posture improved, I, I feel more relaxed when I sit down and when I stand up and my stress levels have gone down. Yeah, and there, so that there, can indirectly um, benefit your appearance. Exactly, but, and there, there is a lot of research showing that uh, your posture can uh, affect your level of testosterone and, and other hormones. Uh, and if, if your tendons are, are stopping you from, from standing like, like a, a warrior uh, and walking like a warrior, uh, then, uh, then probably your, your hormones follow that as well and, and uh, that could, could make you older. So I think stretching and, and omega-3 uh, are, are the two most important things. And, and regarding stretching and, and, the, and dosages, um, I definitely think five minutes a week is enough. Five minutes of stretching per week? Yes, and you can That's do it. In, nothing. No, exactly. You, and you can do it in the, in the TV sofa. Um, try to make uh, the commercials uh, your cue if you watch TV. Um, if you don't watch TV, uh, I'm not exactly sure how your life looks like, what it looks like and, and where you could fit in five minutes, but I'm sure there is some, some way. Unfortunately, you can't really do it when, when waiting for the bus or things like that, because stretching the psoas in, in a real way involves putting the knee down on the ground. And um, um, it, it's, it's difficult to do without ruining your clothes or for that matter, uh, looking like a, a retard. <laughs> you like to use the word retard. You actually call yourself the retarded hedge fund manager, right? Yes. Why is that? Uh, it's a wordplay with retired. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm a bit unconventional uh, at times, and and um, going from retired to unconventional to retarded is uh, well, it, it's a bit fun and and uh, it raises an eyebrow and and could um, catch the eye of of somebody who wouldn't look twice otherwise. And it's good marketing. So we're going to put the stretches in the description soon because I think you make, made a video, right? With the mobility exercises. Yeah, just like, uh, I think, five exercises uh, in a video. In uh, I think the video is under two minutes at least, something like that. Okay, so I'll link to that. And about your training, do you also do cardio or is it only weight training? Um, it's, well, it's, it's really only weight training, but I do warm up. Uh, between five and ten, ten minutes on, on a treadmill. Um, so that that means maybe nowadays, let, let's say 30 minutes a week, uh, quite high intensity, like 10 miles an hour. Um, but still, uh, you, you couldn't really call it cardio. Maybe once or twice a year, I, I, I run like 10 kilometers or, or longer um, just to see that, that my body works. And, uh, well, it, it does. It seems I've got uh, good enough uh, condition and, and heart and, and, and lungs uh, to uh, run at a de decent speed for 10 kilometers, uh, even though I don't train for it. That's pretty good. And if you can do that, you don't really need anything else cardio wise. And how does your weight training routine look like? Can you be more specific? Um, yeah, it, it, it's very easy. Uh, I, I do the like five or six uh, standard uh, compound exercises, so it's squat, deadlift, overhead presses, um, um, bench press, uh, and um, um, pendlay rows. Um, I think that was it. Uh, Chin-ups as well. And um, apart from from these real exercises, I, I also do biceps curls. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has to do the curls, right? <laughs> yeah. I do them too. So you do these uh, you know, simple exercises and it clearly worked for you. But have you ever gotten injured from lifting heavy? Um, yes, I've, um, I've both used bad form in, in, uh, in my deadlifts and uh, not gotten seriously injured, but like a, uh, not, a, not a real hernia, but uh, uh, anyway, gotten a, a backache for, for a week or two afterwards. Um, but in, 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 uh, I've, um, 
uh, I've torn both my ACLs in, in, my, in my, both my knees at different points in time and, and had surgery for that. And, and when you reconstruct the ACL, uh, you take the tendon from the hamstring, uh, which means that that gets weakened. Uh, and that takes quite some time to, uh, to recover from, more than a year to recover fully. And um, uh, less than a year ago, I, I, I tore what was left of my hamstring uh, in my left hamstring doing deadlifts that was doing well my during my new personal best i i, I tore tore the hamstring uh, so i'm still still recovering from that i'm uh, it wasn't poor, poor form or anything like that it was just that my since i only got got half a hamstring uh, it it couldn't take the the pressure do you believe that heavy lifting is uh is uh, kind of like bad for you in terms of injuries because i read that some some like experts say that you want to lift heavy because it improves your posture and it increases testosterone and it uh, makes you stronger and you need to get stronger to build muscle but at the same time you have other experts saying that it's better to do more like bodyweight training and lift lighter weights and and higher reps you know to like preserve your joints so what is your stance on that the boring thing to to say here is that too much and too little of something is bad for you. So, so yeah, somewhere, so somewhere, us, some, yeah, somewhere in between, and you you really don't have to to go for a one rep maximum lifts. Uh, you're you're almost bound to go a little bit above your your true capacity and and use a little bit bad form when when you do it. Uh, a, a real lifter, a competitive lifter, doesn't do that. I mean, he's he's actually the strongest in. Uh, in his strictest form, not uh, not uh, cheating, uh, but I think amateur lifters and, and most most bros in the gym uh, will use bad form when going for a one rep maximum. So that's probably bad for them. And it seems that the best way to actually get stronger is doing maybe between two and five reps per set. And do that for for numerous sets, like eight or ten sets uh, per session per per muscle group. So uh, a sub maximum lift, repeatedly repeated, twenty or thirty times during during your session, is probably the best way to get stronger. Stronger, and it minimizes. Uh, your risk of injury since you're not really up there where, where you start to use poor form. Um, but we're still talking about quite intense strength training at just two to five reps. Um, and I, I could maybe add to that that, well, most guys, they don't really care about getting stronger because it doesn't show. Uh, so most guys wanted to show when they wanted to show quickly and then go for, go for higher reps uh, yeah, that's it's, me. Uh, because it's it's uh, it's definitely not dangerous. Maybe you're not maximizing your potential as as a heavy lifter, um, but you'll still get strong, and you'll look good. So it's, it's well, maybe all this comes down to like do your ten to fifteen reps or or whatever you uh, works for you to to get bigger. That's a good point. And what do you think about this approach, where you kind of start by building the base and lifting heavy? And then after maybe six months, 12 months, when you have a good base, you, you switch over to the higher reps to preserve your joints because uh, that's what I did. And uh, now about five years later, I still lift the same as I did when I lifted heavy, but uh, I'm obviously bigger. So basically what I'm saying is that you can start by lifting heavy to build the base and then later you do the hypertrophy training to build the muscle. What do you think about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think you should alternate throughout your life. Um, so I don't think you should give up the, the like four rep range uh, ever. Um, so maybe do your do um, four reps for three months every year at least, and you can uh, do higher rep ranges the, the other nine months. Um, you're not that old, so you that you are still as strong as you were when you built your strength is not really that uh, surprising. Uh, but when you get 40 plus, um, your your um, keeping your strength is, is really difficult. 
especially when you bench press 140 kilo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, I would like to talk about success and happiness because, um, like, what is your stance on like success and happiness? Do you believe that success um, does go together with happiness? And when I say success, it's not only financial. It, it's uh, it can also be artistic, or it can be that you are a very successful blogger, or that you are a very successful like at whatever you do. You know, not necessarily money. Do you believe that every person should chase some kind of success? Or can happiness also come from other things? I think it's um, happiness is more real and more lasting if it can come from the inside in some way, rather than trying to um, get approval from others. Building your bank accounts or, or, or um, your number of readers on your blog or, or um, the, the payments or appreciation for, for your books or, or, or paintings. Um, I, I think that's um, it's it's actually a dangerous road if you're looking for for true happiness. Um, you can easily uh, become caught up in in, uh, in just the, the the process of trying to uh, get more readers and, and more appreciation from from others. It's it's really being a second hander, as as Ayn Rand would would call it. Uh, so, um, and I I'm, I have a hard time acknowledging that as real happiness it's um, it's closer to some kind of short-term lust or or, um, or overstimulation to 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 get away from from boredom or from thinking too much about yourself um, so uh, I, I think happiness really should come from something else um, and and if if a measurable success is a kind of a second order effect of that, 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 that's fine. But it shouldn't be something that you need or strive for to, to, to feel fulfilled or happy. Because I, I think it could very easily leave an empty feeling afterward once that um, superficial or, or worldly success dissipates. So can you, can you give some examples on the happiness coming from the inside? How does that happen for you? Um, when when I was uh, when I was a child, uh, it was very easy to be happy. Everything was new, and, and uh, in particular, anything physical was 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 uh, fulfilling in itself. Just riding a bike, or, or running, or climbing, or jumping, anything like that, anything physical. And when I became a teenager, things became a little more complicated, but uh, and, and more more intellectually oriented. Uh, maybe a bit more complex sports. Um, reading, programming, um, exploring, uh, and then as a young adult, uh, things were even. I, I needed even more complicated things to 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 really feel feel happy. And none of this had anything to do with with success uh, coming from the outside or or, or anybody assessing me. Uh, it was all just pure happiness from from using my body and my brain. So, so essentially what you're saying that when you are building your body and you are building your brain, that's when, when happiness comes for you. Yes. So growth is, is happiness for me. And, and, and then I had like a 20 year or 25 year period where, where the focus became uh, building a bank account, making things for others, trying to satisfy clients or, or bosses. Um, and, and I completely lost track of what was real happiness for me. And, and I got caught, caught up in, in what everybody else thinks is happiness. And, and that, that comes from, from commercials, like you have to buy a, a, a cool sports car or... Uh, and you, you had several sports cars, right? Yes. And uh, uh, what do you think about that? So I, I went the, the, the real roundabout way to, to understand these things. Um, because as I said, I, I was caught up in, in uh, thinking that girls and drugs and cars and, and partying and things like that, uh, just overstimulation, uh, short term, was what made me happy. So I, I thought you had to work hard and play hard. And, and both were, were incredibly superficial, I realized afterward. So coming back to the cars, so I, 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 um, I had a, a Porsche, a Ferrari and, and a Lamborghini. And... Um, um, I, 
I really was the happiest with the, with the Porsche. I, actually, I was even more happy with, with my BMW before that. But, but it was really cool to, to have a Porsche and a Ferrari as well. I, I really wanted those. Um, but once I bought the Lamborghini, I, I, I realized that it's not really that fun. I don't, didn't enjoy driving it on, on, on tracks anymore. Um, I started resenting the car uh, in spring because I, I knew I needed to get it out of the garage, fix the battery, uh, which always died during winter and and uh, and then i had to drive it at least every second week just to to um, to keep it fresh to keep it oiled and, and, the, and the battery uh, charged uh, so, so i started m almost hating that car and, and, and finally sold it and um, what i realized was that the car is so much more beautiful from the outside it, it's i can understand that that anybody would covet it because they are beautiful and, and I still think so and, and I, I turn my head when one drives by but I don't want it anymore I, I want to look at it but I don't want to sit in it so you basically enjoy the aesthetics and uh, you, you can make a parallel with the fitness where people like look at fitness models and they're like I want to look like this and that looks so nice well when it comes to actually attaining that look you don't really want to put in all that effort because you have to give up so much else right mm -hmm. is that kind of like the same example a little bit, but but still, I I wouldn't even want a Lamborghini if it was for free. Um, so I wouldn't want to give up even one second to to have it, um, because there is it, it's just a hassle to to take care of, uh, and I I can't really see any use for it. Um, whereas your your fitness example, uh, I think um, if I could spend just five minutes a day and, and, and look like a super fitness model, then, then I would do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so so the, the comparison isn't really, it's not 100% for me. Yes. Uh, so how about women? Because I, I was thinking that you said you had poor social skills when you were young and you also dressed like a sloth and then suddenly you started dressing in suits and that must have been kind of like, it must have gotten weird reactions from women, I guess. Uh, and can you t tell us about how you how, how you did with women back then and how you progressed in that area because you have a girlfriend now, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I've, um, I've always been, been bad with women. Um, I, I'm, I'm not um, really uh, attractive in that way. At least the, the complete package of me isn't. Uh, so I've, I've, I've never had it easy. Uh, and I haven't worked on it either. I, I'd rather just um, like stand in a corner and, and, and stare and, and, and look like uh, like a psychopath. Uh, it's not that I want to stand there, but that's more or less where I end up or uh, really, really drunk. Um, so my people skills and, and my girl skills are, are really down there uh, among the worst. How, I, how I've ever gotten any girlfriends is, is more or less a mystery. Uh, how many girlfriends have you had? Um, really depends on what you mean, but I've, I've had like four or five uh, long relationships and then they cover more or less my entire grown, grown up life. Um, and, and in between there, there have been others, um, short term relationships. Um, most of them, most of the, the short term ones uh, I've gotten when I was really drunk. So I don't really know how, how, I, did, how I got them. Okay. Um, do, do you drink often now? Uh, no. Now that I'm uh, retired, I, I don't really like drinking anymore. Uh, well, I, I do like it. I actually love it. Um, but since this is my time now, uh, I don't want to waste it on, on, on being a little bit hungover or, or drinking. So uh, I, I, I think about it and I've got quite a lot of liquor at home. And, and when, when I look at it, I, I think that it would be nice to, to have a drink or, or a beer or open a bottle of champagne or something. But since my girlfriend um, trains uh, 12 to 15 times a week, there is never any opportunities for us to drink together. Uh, and I don't like to drink alone. Um, and I, I just, since, since I work out every second day, I mean, I don't want to drink the day before and I don't want to drink the same day I train anyway. So uh, it, there never really is any uh, opportunity for me to drink, even if I, even if I like it. It was it was easier when I was working because then uh, uh, I mean you can always be hungover at work. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. So you have a girlfriend now and, and do you believe that having like a, a relationship is much more fulfilling than just chasing uh, women and drinking a lot? Because um, what I heard is that uh, it gets old, you know, just going out all the time and drinking and, uh, and being with women. What is your take on that? Yeah, my, my experience is that um, once a relationship has ended, you have about a one to two year window to to uh, to get a better one, because <laughs> uh, after two years you you'll start getting bored and desperate, and that shows, and then it becomes really difficult to to actually get a quality person to to like you. Uh, of course, it's not it's not that clear cut in any way. I mean, you could probably be single for twenty five years, and then suddenly a, a super girl just just lands in your lap. Um, so, so I don't know, but but my experience is that uh, it, it takes about a, a year or two before, for at least I start feeling um, a bit like a, a loser and that uh, my time is running out. That's so far I've, I've usually landed uh, landed a girl uh, within that uh, time period. Did you find that when uh, you started making more money, that women started to flock more to you? Uh, no, I can't say. Um, I, I'm probably a bit bad at, at reading women, so I, I, um, I've heard that afterwards sometimes that I, I just never got that, that somebody was interested in me. Um, so I, I guess I, I have a little bit of an autistic spectrum disorder, uh, not, much, uh, not much enough to, to, to diagnose, even if I, uh, I, uh, I probably would. Uh, More like high-functioning uh, odds. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and, uh, and that shows because you are extremely logical uh, thinking and um, very intelligent, and that is normal in autistic people. Um, but if you have it, it will be very mild because nobody will be able to know. So that, that was very interesting. And I actually don't have more questions. That I think we covered many areas of your life. So I would like to thank you very much for the interview. And do you have any other, um, like, things you would add or like places where people can find you? Um, no, my, my blog is, is the best way. Uh, all the information is there. Um, and um, when it comes to, to, um, to your life, just um, search for novelty and, um, and um, reflect about yourself and about the world. Uh, just pay attention to what's actually going on. Uh, so look for new things, explore, and, and uh, really be mindful about what's really going on. And I think that will take you a very long way. Thank you very much again. Thank you.